Hello, and welcome to Solo Cristo, where we search the scriptures to find answers to cultural and biblical questions to help you find confidence in Christ. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning back into Solo Cristo. Um, last week, last week, last it, time? It, yeah, in last the, time. In the way these come out. It'll yeah, last week. Last time we did um, a question and answers episode, if you guys remember, um, and, and and we didn't get through all of them because you guys sent in so many because you guys are such good people. Okay, don't be weird. We care about it so much. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you guys sent in so many questions, and we were so excited about that. But we didn't get to all of them last episode. So this is part two where we're going to try to tackle. We're going to try to get to the rest of the questions. So we're going to try to go a bit faster because I think last time we. Uh, we're still trying to figuring out how quickly to answer these, but yeah. um, you guys sent in some awesome questions, some really tough ones, some really some funny ones. Um, it was a good time. So if you haven't checked out that episode, uh, give a listen to it. It's it was a good time. Um, but you know, it's just me and Chris again today. Uh, you know, Will again is you know still on his honeymoon or whatever. So uh, God bless him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He he's off for a while, so you guys won't hear him for a while, sadly, but. But he'll be back. Um, so, yeah, it'll be just Chris and I answering these questions. So, this is round two. Um, let's get into it. Let's go. I'll go. Am I going first or are you going first? Rock, paper, scissors. Okay. On one what? On only one only one round on shoot. Okay. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Okay. He, he beat me. He got scissors. I got paper. First one of episode two is... Ooh. This is actually a really good one. Uh, Mark Driscoll or Benny Hinn? What's the context? <laughs> uh, Mark Driscoll or Benny Hinn? Um, so we are going to try to move a little quicker. So oh, okay. my, my quick response is um, neither one of them, I think, should be pastors, to be honest. Oh, wow. I think I think Mark Driscoll has done things um, that would disqualify him currently that he uh, hasn't you know, denounced or anything. Mm. Um, that would disqualify him as a pastor. That being said, I'm still picking Mark Driscoll <laughs> because uh, Benny Hinn, I think, just teaches a completely different gospel. Um, oh, wow. Uh, Mark Driscoll, you know, flawed man, as we all are. Mm. Um, but I I do think uh, genuinely loves the Lord. And, um, His teaching is solid. Yeah, yeah still ha- still does have some, some good uh, teaching out there. Yeah. That's my quick... Quick two cents. On I'm gonna it. go. I'm gonna go Benny Benny Hinster. Are you really? As the one that I'm not gonna pick. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so I'm, go, I'm going Mark Driscoll. Yeah, I think because yeah, if I were to, I'm just envisioning. I was like, who would you want as your pastor, or whatever. I, I mean, I think I'd go Mark because once again, yeah. he's not teaching false doctrine. Um, yeah. What's funny is you said that Mark didn't repent or whatever. Did he? Benny has repented from Whoa. his prosperity gospel Whoa, this happened what's he about doing? at this point this happened about four years ago oh i feel like if i would have heard yeah, about so, it it feels so a real the, deal but he did he like pump like on interviews and stuff was like i completely was preaching prosperity gospel i shouldn't have been this that this that um and then he said for 399 you can hear the second part of my sermon so that that's the that's the kicker is that like everyone was like i was excited about it. i was like yes finally you know rouncing that teaching which has been so harmful but apparently, like, you know, years down the road now, he's still kind of operating, I think, in the same way, yeah. um, preaching the same kind of things, you know, uh, still, you know, living a similar kind of lifestyle. So, yeah, that, be- that being that, it's kind just of the, the, the also the, not the full um, picture of, of his false teaching. Right. right. Yeah. So, yeah, so we would, we would go Mark. Marky Mark. Marky Mark and right. whatever funky bunch he's a part of these days. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> 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 I enjoy good. I enjoy good giggle. All right, here we go. All right, all right. We got a heavy hitter right here. Are Catholics Christians? Oh wow! Is the one that I have to answer. Are Catholics? Oh, I'm glad you got it. Yeah. Are, are Catholics Christians? Um. The 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 answer has nothing to do with if someone's Catholic or not. It has to do with if someone believes the gospel. Yeah. That makes someone a Christian. So that's my answer. Is there are Catholics I believe who are Christians who mm-hmm. are saved. If they believe in the true and biblical gospel of Jesus Christ being the only propitiation for their sins, attained by you know grace through faith, you know bringing no righteousness of their own, yeah, you know, um, 
if they believe that, then absolutely. Yeah. Um, outside of that, I think if they don't believe that, then just like I would say the same about any Protestant yeah. or any or any anything else. You know, if you don't believe that, then you're not a Christian. So that's that'll be my answer. It doesn't have to do with them being Catholic or not. It has to do with their stance on the gospel. Yeah. Um, I think maybe where people kind of get um kind of dive deeper on that is there are um strict catholic doctrinal teachings that there is kind of a, a faith plus works type thing there are faith plus that leads to and um fully grants salvation um i i think it's important i wouldn't i wouldn't put cath catholicism even as a whole uh in the same boat as um like mormons or mm-hmm. um jehovah's witnesses absolutely it's not it's not the we're, i'm not saying that at all mm-hmm. um rc sproul i think at one point said he was like i he was asked the same question he was like do you think um people in the catholic church are going to heaven or something like that mm-hmm. and he was like i I fully guarantee that there are people within the Catholic church that, um, yep. that are going to heaven. It could be hundreds. It could be thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, you're not going to know the, the answer. Like you said, it, what it depends on is their view of the gospel, mm-hmm. who Christ is and where they place their faith. Ooh, a little skinny one, skinny mini. Oh, yeah. What? When will Johnny grow a real mustache? What? <laughs> That's wait really a minute. Funny. For those of you who have only listened to this as a podcast, would you don't even know what I look like? <laughs> when I'm will all, Johnny I'm grow all a real mustache, mustache, baby? Let me let me tell you one thing. For those of you that didn't know Johnny 10, 12, 15 years ago, oh man, uh, that is when you could have asked, "When will Johnny grow yeah. a real mustache?" Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if his pictures or what. Johnny's got a great mustache. I do. Very, Who very said cool. that? Who sent that question? Someone probably without a mustache sent that. Ooh. Someone who's... Like a woman? Or a man who looks like a woman. Because he doesn't have a mustache. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, you... You guys can't see yeah. it, but I'm... So, I don't I know why... Why would you... That's offensive. I have a mustache. I love my mustache. I did start wearing a mustache very young. <laughs> you did. <laughs> like 19. Um, I made a commitment with my fr- with my brother and another friend on um new year's eve i still remember this where we said we're just gonna grow our mustaches, eve you know as as young as we are as horrendous as they'll look let's just grow them for as long as we possibly can um they gave out very quick committed they gave out very quick and i for some i don't even know why i was so committed to this but i simply just never cut my lip hair from like then on and now, you know, thank the good Lord, it has really come in over the years, mm-hmm. and I really like my mustache now. I think you. But that being said, I think you would be more handsome without it. You know, that's where me and my wife disagree. That's so. that's true. If your wife likes it, that's what I'm saying. Whatever. Yeah. All right. Let's see what we have here. You guys need to send nicer questions. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. All right. Let's see. If a believer is doing something wrong, and you talk to them, but they continue. What do you do? Do you stay close to them? Are you asking me? No, huh? no, no. I was just kind of letting it, letting it, letting it simmer on letting the it, listeners' letting ears. Because yeah. I want them to kind of formulate their own response in their mind mm-hmm. and then have us answer. So well, Moment of silence for their yeah, answer. Yeah. And begin. Okay, yeah. So I, um, so I think, and again, without my notes, I don't know. I don't remember exactly where this is, where this is in the scriptures. I want to say it's somewhere in Corinthians, but... Um, and I believe it's Paul who talks about um, approaching a believer, an unrepentant believer within the church, right? This is where we have, um, you know, like excommunication talked about and stuff. So if a believer um, is sinning, right? Doing something wrong is what was how they put it, but it has to be blatant actual sin, right? It can't just be something that I think is wrong. Yeah. Like, like script, the scripture does not categorize alcohol consumption as sin right it, yeah. it categorizes drunkenness as sin but many christians hold strong convictions about yeah. the consumption of alcohol but that doesn't mean that i can come up to my brother who's consuming some alcohol and impose that as a sin upon them yeah. right so we're talking about actual biblical sin if someone's engaging in sin 
who is a believer and I'm aware of it and I tell them, hey, you have to repent and turn from this. If they continue in that and are, I'm going to assume that, that they're unrepentant, yeah. right? That they're refusing to repent and they're continuing in their sin. Um, scripture says that first you approach them just mono e mono. And then if they are unrepentant, um, I think you bring like one or two other people like, so there's like a, several of you approach him again. Then if he's still unrepentant, you bring it before the elders of the church, right? So you involve the church community. You say, Hey, look, we're now all calling you together. Mm-hmm. You have to stop doing this. This is incredibly dangerous for your soul. Um, if they then continue and proceed in their sin and say, I am not going to repent or turn from this, then scripture says that what you do is you excommunicate them from the church, right? Yep. You treat them as an, I mean, even even differently than an unbeliever, you you don't eat with them. It says don't even don't even share a table with them, right? Like literally, you there's a shunning involved that Paul talks about, mm-hmm. and it's for the purpose though. It's not just to be like, okay, now we've just decided that you're beyond the grace of God. No, what it's what it's meant to do is it's meant to highlight for them this is what your life is like outside of the grace of God, right? This is the path that you've chosen that you're headed down. You are cut off from the, from the body of Christ, right? If, if you live in this way. Um, and so it's supposed to bring them to humility and to, and, and, and to grace and, and, and to return to the arms of God, kind of like the prodigal son, right? Who, who flees and he lives, you know, that life, but then he, he sees how detrimental it is and he returns back to the father. Um, so that's the goal of it, right? Yeah. But that is the natural progression that Paul lays out within the church of how you, how you ought to do that. So if if you whoever's asking us if if you're if there's an actual person in your life that you're thinking of, go through that faithful process. Yep. You know, come up to them. If they're not listening, bring another couple people or one other person that you both know and trust. If still, bring it up to the church. You know, I mean that's what we're called to do. It's not harsh it's not unloving it's actually the most loving thing that you could do yeah that's a really good point um and there there is a wrong way to uh call someone out of sin i guess and you know it is important to remember that what you're doing should be done from a loving heart and that's good when you're doing it even if it is you know at times you know can feel harsh it's important to remember that that is being done out of love yeah um and how you were saying, you know, allowing them to be outside of the church, mm-hmm. you know, almost almost getting a taste of what Paul says in Romans one where, of that depravity, mm-hmm. in hopes that they do not stay in that depravity. Yeah, that they would realize and you know be convicted of that sin mm-hmm. and come back to the church and repent of that. Hundred yeah. percent. Nice, good answer, Chris. It's your turn. Did I? Oh, I was going <laughs> to say. just mixing it up for you. Thanks for the pre-mixed. Mm. Ooh. Can Christians wear uh, bathing suits? Nothing better than oh. uh, two Christian guys on a podcast giving their opinion on bathing suits. That's um, hilarious. <laughs> but it just says bathing suits. Yes. If you're going swimming, wear a bathing suit. <laughs> that, <laughs> wow. Not, I don't know the extent of how do <laughs> the extent it's of that, than that the you, other option. Yeah, the extent of that that you want. Wear a bathing suit, please. Yeah. Uh, don't go. You don't have to go swimming, and you know your your swimming denim. But um, <laughs> the other extreme is not good either. So find a good middle ground, and you are all set. Yeah, I I just it make sure it's a tuxedo. Yeah, is my only thing. It's yeah. the best but, kind of suit to swim in. Um, do you want to give a better a further answer on that, or should we just leave that up to the wolves? Tell you what, if you guys want a further answer on that and you genuinely want us to do an episode on it, we will. We will do it. It'll be the 600,000th episode of people giving their opinion on it, but we'll give a biblical one, so. Yeah. All right. Ooh, that's nice. I feel like a squirrel, like. Cracking his nut. Yep. Ooh, this is a good one. Ooh. You know, I was just talking to someone about this topic today. I'm so excited. Why does confessing sin make a difference? Mm. How do you confess to just God or someone or someone you sinned against? Mm. Okay, so why does confession make a difference? And how do you go about confessing 
do you do it just to God or to someone you send the kids? Okay, good question. Mm-hmm. And again, I, w- I was just talking to someone about this today, actually, just like the benefit of confession and how I've witnessed it in my own life. Um, so th- I grew up in very, in just whatever church community I was in, there was very little confession. Oh, okay. You know, uh, it was much more a mentality of kind of like harbor your own mistakes and sins, yeah. cover them up kind of, you know, confess it to God. You know, there was that teach. So I'm not saying that they never confessed it. Like, confess it to God, but kind of like make sure that you are presenting yourself as very honorable and holy. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so confessing to people within the church would kind of throw a damper on that, you know, um, so it wasn't really until I'm now at my current church where, you know, attending the the home group that I go to where I got the first experience of, like, someone older than me, like, initiating confession to me mm-hmm. and confessing sin to me. And I was just like, whoa, what's going on? Yeah. Like, you're supposed to be someone who's like... But, but I knew that, like, my assumption about that was wrong yeah. and my framework for that was wrong, but I was just like but actually witnessing it happen, witnessing a a Christian being vulnerable mm-hmm. and and putting weakness on display so that God could be glorified was just like so powerful to me that it that it pushed me into my own confession. Yeah. You know, it was like a light turning on in a room where you're finally like, "Oh, now we can all see." Yeah. Like, "Thank you for flipping that switch to the one person who did so." And now we all can see and now we can all be open with each other. Yeah. Um so I will say that as just a personal testimony, and then I'll jump into just the fact of like, um, I mean, we're called to confess, right? And we're told in scripture that if you confess your sin, God is faithful to forgive, right? So he he delivers a promise on the other side of that, where he's like, if if you confess your sin, he is faithful to forgive you. Um, Now, obviously, there isn't a, you don't, it, it isn't like you don't have to confess to other human beings kind of like yeah like that's not a law imposed upon us you do have to confess to god okay yeah. we do have to confess our sins to god now i do believe that it's very beneficial for us to also confess to other believers mm-hmm. as well though for multiple reasons one is just so that my fellow believers are aware of the things that i struggle with yeah. so that they can uphold me in my weakness um and then the other thing is that it's very humbling right it's very humbling to look at another human being and confess that I am not perfectly holy and righteous in it of myself, right? And so it, it pushes me into um, into the arms of God as well as into the arms of the church, which is designed to to care for me, right? Um, so before I continue to ramble, because I love this, I would yeah. love to do an episode on Ooh, this. Oh, confession, yeah. That's a good one. Okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll pass it over to you. Uh, yeah, no, lots of good things. Uh, one, Growing up, I was told that I would be, I would uh, grow up to be a great deacon in the Slavic Church. Um, really? Yeah, because I don't speak Ukrainian, so they're like, people will have no issue confessing their sins to you. That's funny. Yeah. Um, That's uh, really funny. Yeah. Uh, not a good view of confession, by the way. Um, uh, yeah, true. For basically everything Johnny's just said, um, but similar similar stories of you know, like I grew up and you know, sin was not. Um, you know, promoted to be exposed, basically. Right, it was yeah. uh, promoted to be hid. Um, mm. And it wasn't until I was adult, an adult actually, yeah, at our current church where mm-hmm. I experienced, um, one, uh, just a real invita- invitation to confess and yeah. be in a, have, you know, a posture of confession, um, but also being around people who are willing to be vulnerable mm-hmm. because it's, it is a super vulnerable thing. Um, yeah. It's... Um, it's something that kind of, as you, as you said, you know, flicks that light switch on for everyone else. And there are ways to strengthen brotherly bonds through the confession of sin, Mm -hmm. um, and invite, inviting people, um, into, into your weakness to be prayerful for you, to Mm -hmm. be accountable, um, in certain ways. And it's, you know, there are so many healthy benefits of confessing sin to one another. Yeah. Um, what was the, what was the actual question? Why does confessing sin make a difference? And how do you confess to just God oh, or someone yeah. you sinned against? Yeah. The second part, um, there, I, I know I, you know, still have sometimes this thought, but especially, um, when I was 
younger, um, it's like, God knows what I've done. Mm. God knows my thoughts. Yeah. Why do I have to, you know, say it to him? What's it, what's it to him if I say it? Right. And, you know, that everything that we have just uh, talked about having with someone else, a brother in Christ, Mm -hmm. you can also, you know, have an intimate relationship with God. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's important to have and important to acknowledge that, you know, you're not just, you know, saying these words into into thin air. Yeah. You're speaking to the creator of the universe, the one who forgives what you're telling him. Mm-hmm. And wow. that that's that's so important to remember that, you know, it is a two way conversation. Yeah. And there and just as we are able to confess our sins to him and to each other, he is faithful to forgive. Mm-hmm. Amen. Okay, next question. Uh, looks like a long one. Second oh. Peter thirteen sixteen says that there are things in Scripture hard to understand, which ignorant people will twist to their own destruction. How do we know if we are ignorantly twisting Scripture? Is there then not a need for authority structure? So another authority question to properly interpret Scripture and keep people from destruction. Okay. Let's back up. How do we know if we are ignorantly twisting Scripture? Kind of break it down a little bit. How do we know if we are ignorantly twisting Scripture? Well, what do we, uh, what if we are taking a Scripture and interpreting? Mm-hmm. What do we, what do we test it by? The Scriptures. The scripture. Mm-hmm. So if the way that you feel like you're interpreting a Scripture doesn't line up with the entirety of Scripture, Scripture, then you may you may need to try again. Mm-hmm. Go back, read it understand the context. Yeah. Um, this is actually a really good reason why good solid commentaries and and yeah. being under the teaching of solid teachers is really important. Yeah. Um, because you can also use those as resources. Um, mm-hmm. So moving on through the question, is there not an, a need for an authority structure? <coughs> Sorry. Is there then not a need for an author- authority structure to properly interpret scripture? There is. Uh, that authority structure to properly interpret scripture is scripture. Um, that may sound circular, but it is that way for a reason. Uh, yeah. Scripture upholds scripture. Um, if if scripture does not uphold mm-hmm. what you're pulling out of it, then you know, go back to scripture. Figure out, okay, did I misinterpret this? Yeah. And also, again, use the resources that you have available to it's 2023. If you're listening to this, you have the internet. Not always a good thing. Find solid teachers and find people personally in your life that can help you out with these things. Yeah. Anything more on that? Yeah, just just briefly. Um, so this almost this almost assumes that an authority structure will be infallible. You know what I mean? Because it's like, yeah. don't you need an authority structure? to properly interpret the scripture. Yeah. And there's and only and one infallible. Yeah. And, and, and so structure. It's, that's assuming that the authority structure is infallible, but we know throughout the course of history that various authority structures within the church yeah. have not proven to be infallible. Yeah. They've all, all proven to be fallible to one degree or another. Yeah. And that's why we hold to the, to the statement that like scripture is that, one infallible structure that is infallible and that we can hold to. Um, and so, but that doesn't mean that we, you know, throw away all authority structures or whatever. There's still an authority of teachers and elders and stuff that, that understand, you know, the scope of scripture better, you know, and who have these contexts, like you said, and, um, and various things that they're able to teach and they've been entrusted by God to do so, but they're not infallible. Yeah. Right. So, that would be my very brief answer on that. Yeah. And those things should be, again, held to the infallibility of Scripture. Yes. Yes. Okay. Next question. Ooh, skinny boy. I feel like they don't know what we say, what we mean when we say this stuff like that. <laughs> what in the world should men wear Speedos? We One, have, we have two, two, three. Uh, yes. Oh. I mean, not should. Whoa. No, no, no. Oh. No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> should men wear Speedos? It's not a yes or no question to me. Um, I'll answer this. Okay. Because I pulled it. 
Um, so my response, my answer to this, it's not a yes or no answer. It would be, it kind of depends on the context, again, in my opinion. Um, and I do think, once again, that we don't really have, you know, we, we can't point to Scripture and say, like, God expressly forbids the donning of a Speedo in all situations, you know. We don't. So so that question I of, I love like, the way you put that. Thank you. So, yeah, that whole question of, like, should men wear Speedos is kind of like, well, as Christians, that's, you know, it's so ticky-tacky. Like, it's not yes or no. It's It depends, you know. Be wise yeah. in what you're doing. Be wise in what you're wearing. Consider all angles um, of how you look in the mirror. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But in, the, in, in all honesty, consider all angles of, like, are you loving your brother and sister well? By, by wearing a Speedo. In what context? This context, that context. Um, are there different factors you need to consider? This or that, whatever. Um, you know, understand modesty. We've been called to modesty, right? Yeah. In what way does that play itself out? You know, how modest? In what culture is it too modest or too immodest? Whatever it may be. So be wise, be discerning. Um, but that's my answer for that one. Yeah. What do you think? Are you, are you a yes or no on that one? Um, I'm not a blanket no. Um, I would say, sure, there may be um, very specific context where uh, that could be an appropriate uh, swim inappropriate and appropriate uh, swim attire uh, in sports or uh, like you said there there could be very specific things I would say the majority of time no the well, majority can ahead. I can I kind of push against you a bit yeah why would wearing it in a sport competition make it okay. No, you can't push me on that. <laughs> okay. Uh, That's fine. <laughs> um, Next question or um yeah, I would I would say the majority of the time uh it's going to be it's going to be a no due to modesty standards of okay, yeah. of men. I I think a lot of people uh try to harp on like bikinis and stuff mm-hmm. without ever addressing the other side of it. And, mm-hmm. you know, men are allowed to go around in a prideful flaunting of anything they want. And, um, mm. I, yeah, no, if there, there's modesty goes both ways. Uh, pride as a downfall goes both ways. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say majority of the time, no, maybe under very specific context. So how long? Past the knee? Oh, for a- sure. Ankle? Yeah. I'm talking ankle, knee, mid-thigh. Yeah. What are you looking for? Capris. What are you looking for? Capris. Capris. Okay. Swimming Capris. I love it. Yeah. All right. Oh, did you pull that? Capris Sun. Okay. It's a great pool drink. I can't open this one. <laughs> Ooh. Is it possible to commit suicide and enter the kingdom of God? Wow. Is it possible to be a true, regenerate Christian mm-hmm. and commit suicide? Um, that's a deep question. Uh, there's a, heavy one. Uh, a lot of people deal, uh, struggle deeply with one thoughts of suicide, but yeah. two, yeah. uh, knowing people who have, um, committed suicide. I do personally. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, is it possible to commit suicide and enter the kingdom of God? I would say yes. Um, I would say that it is, uh, probably not going to be something that, um, applies to the majority of suicides that you see in the world. Mm. Um, it is, you know, if you are a Christian contemplating suicide, it does not diminish your your value or um, diminish what how God sees you. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely uh, seek out as much help as possible. If you feel like you're not getting help, continue yeah. seeking it, mm-hmm. um, and also seek God. But yeah. uh, so why why do I think it's possible? Um, and uh, you can pull out you know specific scenarios or something there are uh times where people have tried to commit suicide Mm -hmm. and thinking they were going to die um repenting Mm -hmm. with uh, with the assumption that they were dying and ended up living so um there a lot of people think like oh if someone commits suicide it is boom you're you're dead whatever whatever route or way you decide um there is absolutely a moment maybe several moments uh, where people commit whatever act mm-hmm. they are doing and between committing that act and death 
there's a time period. And to say that someone could not in that time period genuinely make a profession of faith and repent of their sin, including the sin of taking their own life, uh, is it a sinful act? Sure. Um, but to say that that's impossible, no. That's definitely possible, uh, one. Um, but two, is it possible? Uh, so I, I'll answer this one, then maybe I'll pass it to you. Um, mm-hmm. Is it possible for someone to, you know, even before that, to be a genuine Christian? Uh, is kind of the second part of that question, so maybe we'll just kind of both answer it. A true regenerate Christian and commit suicide. So someone mm-hmm. who is a uh, a genuine Christian yeah. get to the point of suicide and committing that and falling through with that. Yeah, I'll pass that one to you. Um, yeah, so uh, is it possible for a regenerate Christian to sin? Yes. Absolutely. Do regenerate Christians struggle with depression? Yes. Do regenerate Christians... Okay, that's where I'm going to stop there. But but that's... I mean, I'm trying to just make this the point of like... Suicide is a sin, yes. It's taking a life, right? Yeah. Um, it is, in essence, an act of murder. Um, but that doesn't mean that anybody who sins in such a manner is unregenerate, right? Um, now, this does kind of hinge on people's belief about how salvation is attained and maintained. Yeah. Um, now, there are people who and i used to be one of these who would believe that if there's any sin in my life that i haven't had a chance to repent of then i'm no longer saved yeah right so i need to daily maintain myself in a state of salvation um by repenting of any sin that i commit Mm. and if i until i repent of of any sin in my life for that time period whether it's a minute two hours two days I'm in a state of being unsaved during that time period because I'm unclean and impure, right? Yeah. Because I have sin on me that hasn't been repented of. And so if I die in that state, I'm going to hell. Um, And so I think that's where most people, that's their theological framework when they consider suicide. And so they say, well, if you don't have a chance to repent, then you obviously go to hell. Yeah. However, that's not, how salvation works yeah and it's a beautiful thing that it's not how that works and i do want to call like if if that's how you think it works like please hear me on this that that christ is a sufficient savior and your good works your deeds your righteousness is dirty rags in front of him right you having sin in your life that you haven't repented of does not move the meter on whether you're saved or not. Yeah. What moves the meter on your salvation is faith in Christ as your savior. That's clearly taught throughout scripture. So what we need to understand, what we need to ask is, you know, do you have faith in Christ as your savior? Now that works itself out in the fruit of repentance, but repentance isn't a work that grants you salvation. It's a fruit that comes out of salvation. Amen. Yeah. And so, what, what I want to say is, yes, there are, I believe, and I believe that Scripture makes this clear in how it lays out how salvation works, and that it it also set, doesn't mention suicide as being, or murder be, as being something that is, you know, in, in a damnable, well, I mean, all sins are damnable, right? Yeah. I mean, that's another thing that we need to understand, is that, yeah. I mean, we could do a whole episode on this, and I would actually, maybe this is another good one to do a yeah. whole episode on, but, because I, I could just keep going and going, but. I think that's kind of where I'll end it. It's just understanding that, look, your own good deeds or sins do not move the meter on your salvation. Yeah. You know, it's not this back and forth of like your car being full and empty with, with gasoline. Christ's perfect life is already accounted to you on the basis of faith. Yeah. In the fullness. Yeah. So your, your tank is always full. Yeah. Because Christ's tank is eternally full. And so you can trust that. But... I also, you know, there is the caveat of like, God still hates murder and suicide. And it's something that not only harms, you know, yourself, but so many people in our lives are harmed by suicide. It, it is an act and a sin that is incredibly heinous, but we also understand that it's something that believers do struggle with 
Yeah. And that is something that once again, we briefly talked about confession, like confess that. Yeah. You know, because we're all weak, right? It doesn't make you any less or any, you know, people aren't going to think you're weird or whatever. Like it's common. You know, there's not any one sin that falls upon man that isn't common for mankind. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I encourage you run to Christ, run to the church and know that he has you like he does. Yeah. Amen. That's so good. I'll, uh, since I since I bounced that off to you, halfway. Yeah. I'll, I'll pull the next one too. Sorry, that's kind of a passionate. Yeah. Topic no, of that's mine. <laughs> that's a great topic to be passionate about. Um, can Christians get divorced? Wow, another one. Yeah, another 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 good one. Um, can Christians get divorced? So, um, the Pharisees actually tried to, uh, kind of trip Jesus up. Asking mm-hmm. him questions about yeah. uh, marriage and divorce, and he d- and Christ does say that there is uh, the grounds of divorce um, is there in uh, the event of adultery. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, on either party. Um, that being said, it does not mean that in the event of adultery, divorce is the only option. Yeah, um, it's. <laughs> Obviously, no one's going to sit there and say, like, oh, it's just adultery. Don't get divorced over it. Uh, it's a very, very serious topic, even to the point of Christ saying that you could end a marital covenant yeah. or that the marital, marital covenant has been broken at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's something very serious. It does not always have to end in, um, in divorce. There can be uh, through repentance through mm-hmm. community through um counseling things can be mended uh but there is a damage done in that instance that can't be undone yeah but yeah 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 i'd i'd say uh i i think a question like this always needs to be you know we need to understand in malachi it says that god hates divorce yeah you know in in every instance it's something he hates. Yeah, he, uh, he 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 completely opposes it, and yet there's an understanding that in broken humanity, God does not hold it against you legally in that instance yeah. of adultery. You know, and Jesus says that in two instances in Matthew, um, and then there's also in Corinthians, Paul talks about if an unbelieving spouse abandons you, that you aren't you are no longer bound by that that um covenant that you had so so if the unbelieving spouse not a christian chooses to leave you and abandon you um that you're free then from that marriage covenant um so i think those are like the two instances that we have in scripture yeah uh, where it says like you know you're legally um not held liable in those cases but that's still because god hates it so much we're always called and invited to find reconciliation and repentance, um, and that God loves that. Yeah, absolutely. That uh, that's a that's a true uh, testament to His character and how that can be played out. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, let's do one more each, and then we'll we'll wrap up this uh, this round of Q and A's. Okay. Wait. Okay. Is <laughs> is Chick Fil A Christian? Because it's not organic. Um, is Chick Fil A is Chick Fil A Christian? Chick Fil A Christian because it's not organic. I, based I mean, on based on the standards of organic, is it Christian? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, organic doesn't make Christian. Like, if can yeah. a blueberry be a Christian? If it's organic, <laughs> <laughs> I suppose. I suppose. Um, that doesn't no, count as I'm your one. Saying, that yeah, doesn't count as your one. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, I don't. Um, I'm just gonna say that no Chick Fil A isn't Christian, and no organic foods aren't Christian. Do you have any uh, personal experience with Chick Fil A? Yeah, I worked at Chick-fil-A, and I loved it for, like, five years. But a company can't be Christian. Like, how is it – does it, does the a company have the ability – As an entity? Is, it, is there going to be is, – is Chick-fil-A going to be saved and go to heaven? Yeah. <laughs> Good question. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Wow. Here's another one. Slavery in New Testament. Ooh. Slavery in New Testament. Um, So this isn't a question. It just says slavery <laughs> in New Testament. Therefore, we won't answer it. Psych. No, we'll answer it. Oh, yeah. Um, but I guess we it's just an open-ended topic, I guess, of discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, there is slavery in the New Testament. Yeah. There's slavery in the Old Testament. There's slavery in the world. 
today. There was then, there is now. Yeah, yeah. slavery is something that has existed for all time um, in one way or another. Uh, it's horrible. It's horrendous. It's evil. It's wicked. Um, now, there were also different kinds of slavery. Yeah. There's chattel slavery, which we had in the U.S., where they were people were, were stolen, kidnapped, and shipped over here and then sold as possessions to other people. But then there was also things like indentured servitude, um, where someone gets indebted to you and works on your land and is essentially provided a job and you work it off for a certain amount of years. Um, and so you're not getting paid like wages, but you're, it's kind of like a loan, a giant yeah. loan that you pay off. It's stuff like that. And, and in the New Testament, there's also various kinds of slavery like that. Some yeah. stuff that really does operate more as like um, a job, but you're yeah. still like a slave and whatever. But in all cases, if, if we're talking about slavery in the sense of like, you have no rights, no possessions, no autonomy. Like, yes, that's that's not good. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, God has created each of us uh, with the Imago Dei, the image of God, uh, where we all have the equal value and standing. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, it's not, and, and it's not a good thing. I mean, <laughs> yeah. But, and we have the book of Philemon, which is an uh, awesome. If you weren't going to bring yeah, it up, I was. I, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll let you run with Philemon. Since okay. I just set, talked a bit on it. So. He's pretty slow, so I'll run with him. But Go ahead. Oh, I was passing Philemon Oh, passing it off. Yeah, because I know you wanted okay. to talk about yeah. Um, Love the whole story of Philemon. Mm-hmm. And um, I can't think of the 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 the, uh, the gentleman's name that is with Paul, that Paul sends back to Philemon. Why do I want to say Onesimus? It is. It is. That's it. It Onesimus. is Onesimus? Yeah. Okay. Uh, thank you. Um, so... In the context of slavery within the New Testament, um, there is that is an amazing story to do kind of a deep study on. Um, another topic. Another, another episode. Topic. Love, <laughs> love it. I would, I would love to do that. Awesome. Um, but a, lo- a lot of people read Ephesians, and I think it's in Colossians too. Um, all, it's also in Colossians, um, where it says, um, "Slaves, obey your masters." Yeah, and yeah, yeah. people be like, the Bible promotes slavery. Oh, I see. And, I see, and maybe I see. this may be where they're kind of coming from. Why yeah. is it? Why does why does the Bible do that? Uh, mm-hmm. And one thing that's important to to understand that like what it also calls, and it also it, you know instructs has has instructions to slave owners. Since like, see, you're you're acknowledging slave owners but not doing anything about it. Mm. And you have to understand what does it call slave owners to do it calls them to do the very thing that they couldn't, that they weren't doing to slaves, to treat them as brothers, to uh, not treat them as possessions, as properties. Mm-hmm. They're saying, you know, in the, con- in, you know, uh, um, like someone is uh, legally indebted to you. Mm-hmm. Like what that doesn't, uh, what that doesn't allow you to do is treat them as trash, to treat them as yeah. dirt. And what it does call you to do is just because they are indebted to you, and if you're going to take the position of uh, requiring them to fulfill that debt, mm-hmm. then you are to treat them as your brother. Treat them better than yourself. As uh, a master, you are treating your slave better than yourself. <laughs> One. Two, Paul, uh, like a quick note on Philemon. Um, so basically, Onesimus was a slave, of Philemon, ran away, didn't come back. Paul is sending letters. Wow, I can't remember what letter did he send with. Was it Colossians? I think he sent Colossians oh, and I don't know. I don't know. the 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 book of Colossians he sent with. I could be wrong on that. If it's not important to the story. <laughs> um it's it's important in history, but um he sent it with uh he sent Onesimus with that with a letter to Philemon sent him to back to Philemon. Mm. And in that letter uh Paul said he's like i have the authority to tell you to forgive um to forgive onesimus for running away for running away yeah uh and i think he had stolen from him too Hmm. and he was like but if you don't if you require his debt to be fulfilled i'll fulfill it i will be i will step into his shoes Mm -hmm. and take on his debt and pay it myself wow what a beautiful depiction of the gospel yeah of saying hey he has a debt. I'm paying it. Yeah. It is forgiven or it is paid through me. Shoot. Philemon's awesome. Go read Go read through that. Read that book. Yeah. 
Um, I think you're the final straw now. We'll do. <laughs> Last one is, oh, this is actually a fun one to end on because it's for both of us. Uh, how do you each live oh. in your gender roles as husbands in your household? Mm. That's a what a, that's a cool one to end on. Um, so in my household, I am a father and a mm-hmm. husband. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I try to do, and and I try to view anything that I do in in my household, when I make a decision, <laughs> it's am I being lazy? Or am I sacrificially loving? Yeah. In the in the decision that I make, in um, I'm not saying that I'm always choosing the right right decision there. Mm-hmm. Um, I fail at that constantly. But um, when it in in big things and in little things, uh, am I being selfish in my decisions, or am I sacrificially loving my children and my wife? Yeah. Um, with what with my time, with my efforts, with the way that I do task. Um, you know, am I allowing my wife to do her roles within the house? Mm-hmm. Um, am I, am I fulfilling my roles so that she can fulfill her roles? Yeah. Um, and with my children, I teach and father and, uh, take care of and provide for my children. Uh, those, those are some ways that I do that. Um, I feel like there was something else I was going to say, but, um, bacon, bacon, Bring home Bring the bacon. Home bacon. <laughs> no, uh, do you cook bacon on Sunday mornings? Uh, no, on Sunday mornings <laughs> we we do a pretty quick breakfast to get out of the house. Um, was that sat- maybe? I'm wondering, was bacon what you were gonna say? Maybe no. Okay. Well, did I say bacon? No, I said bacon. Oh, did you just throwing out a word? Maybe it was hoping. <laughs> I I meant money. Oh, I thought maybe you were gonna mention. Mm-mm. Cool. You done? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um. So for me. How do I live at in my gender role as a husband in my home? Some, yeah, I think it's yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I I don't have children, but I am married uh, to my wonderful wife Bella. Um, and lo- kind of like you said, like I I definitely fail to live up to the standard that Christ has called me to every day. Um, you know, a- a- but I do every day remind myself and and I have a a high goal that I pursue um and that is to in every moment of every day every decision I make it is to value and honor Bella over myself yeah like down to like the smallest things I try to constantly remind myself like if it's like oh who's gonna carry this thing upstairs or whatever yeah. I want to be like, no, I, I'll do Even it. Even in the small things. Yeah. yeah. And, and again, I'm not saying that I do this, you know, every single time, but it is something that I consciously try to remind myself of and try to live in every single day from waking up to going to bed is like, I want to be the, I want to let her do things, you know, first. I want to be the one to, to open the doors for her, you know. Yeah. And an analogy, metaphorically yeah. speaking, like I want to be the one that, that, you know, lays my life down first. I'm going to, I'm going to do this first for her. I'm going to, I'm going to go out and do this first. I'm going to let her have this better piece of pizza or this better slice of pie mm. or whatever, you know, like that mentality of honor her over my oh, honoring her over myself. Bleeds I try to, everything. yes. And I, and I, and I, I truly do try to apply it from the smallest things to the biggest things. Yeah. Um, and I try to live my life, the decisions I make about work and about, um, how I spend my free time and, and et cetera the things that I purchase, all of it, I try to view it through the scope of is this going to benefit and uplift Bella and honor her and empower her and encourage her? Yeah. Or is this just for myself? Or is this going to hurt her a bit? Or is this going to diminish her a bit? Or is this going to, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it may be? Um, so I'd say that's probably the most, you know, that, that works itself out practically, of course, in, in all sorts yeah. of ways. Like, doing dishes and take out you know like all this other stuff but i would say that just that is my mindset yeah tuning. That, that, that i pursue every single day yeah um, tuning your mind that way is you know having that lens to look at everything that you're doing mm-hmm. is is kind of the the right mentality to have on that and i've said it before that being a husband and being a, f- a father and you know filling those shoes 
is where I get some of my greatest sense of joy mm. and also where I see my greatest failures oh, you know, at the same good. time. Um, but you know, one thing that I didn't mention was also, um, you know, having that mindset when, um, and also leading my home spiritually, mm-hmm. um, even when I am doing study or in time with prayer, mm-hmm. uh, anything like that, I am also thinking like, you know, am I doing this for selfish reasons? Am I doing this to know the Lord better? Mm-hmm. And when I do studies, I, I want to be excited about sharing what I'm studying and learning with yeah. my spouse yeah. and teaching them my family and my home that, mm-hmm. and, you know, making that a natural part of our home. Yeah. Um, that's big. But, and then also, uh, doing what's necessary which can be, you know, in my home, putting the kids down, doing the dishes, cleaning, doing doing these other things mm-hmm. to provide Lainey, my wife, um, moments to take time to study, to mm, yeah. pray, to do these things, to have times where she can step aside and be alone. Yeah. To do, you know, what what she is wanting to do, um, to to grow spiritually, um, and to sacrifice my time when I uh, I want to sit on the couch. I want to. You know, I, I'm ready to check out. Mm-hmm. I'm tired. I worked hard today. Yeah. But instead being like, no, like I'm I'm going to step up and do these things at this time. Yeah. For my wife. And it's for my kids too. I get to spend time with <laughs> yeah. my kids. Like that's that's always a benefit. Um yeah. but yeah, that was a fun way to wrap up uh Q and A part two. Mm. Honestly, this was super fun. Yeah. Really enjoyed this. Want to do this more. Um like like we said last episode. That anonymous Q&A link is highlighted on our uh, mm-hmm. Instagram page. Yep. So drop anything in that anytime. Uh, any questions, topic ideas, um, anything that you just want to say anonymously um, that you like think my voice is irritating or something, that's fine too. <laughs> I can't change it, so it won't help. But of course you can. Uh, I can talk like this. That's so much better, I'm going to be honest with yeah. you. I'll just make it worse if you say it. So, <laughs> um, But yeah, so thank you guys for, for listening. It's been very encouraging. Uh, one to to get responses from you guys. That's encouraging to us. Um, to yeah. as we do this, that's fun to know that people are actually, you know, kind of inter- wanting to interact, mm-hmm. and we in really enjoy interacting with with people. Uh, but two, some of these questions that we got, man, were were really good. Some of them were really fun and goofy, but some of them were really good and really mm-hmm. deep. They were all good. Yeah, <laughs> uh, just in different and, ways. Uh, yeah, able to. You know, challenge us to have conversations and think about things. So it was, that was really awesome. And yeah, yeah we'll yeah, be- see. Before, well, before we let you guys go real quick, I just want to encourage you guys that in this coming week, look to Christ, rest in Christ. Like you, you can, you can rest in him. He has accomplished all the work on your behalf. Mm-hmm. Believe that he's done so trust that he's for you. Rest in him. Um, and yeah, go forth and tackle the difficulties of life and the questions of life with grace and strength. Amen. Thank you for listening to Solo Christo. We hope that you found this episode insightful and encouraging to your walk with Christ. Please consider leaving a review and feel free to check us out on Instagram to continue the conversation and weigh in on future topics. 